Welcome to the Mama's Hey Fit Podcast, Birth Story Friday. In this episode, we have Sally, who's going to be sharing her two birth stories. Her first birth was a surprise breach during a labor induction that ended in a sudden cesarean birth. And then her second birth was a vaginal birth after C-section or a VBAC after showing up at the hospital when she was seven centimeters and very quickly pushing her baby out after that. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, Birth Story Friday. Before we dive into Sally's birth stories, let's talk about how Mama Safe Fit can support your birth preparation, especially if you're trying for a vaginal birth after C-section or VBAC. After cesarean birth, you may be exploring your birth options. Should you have a repeat C-section or a vaginal birth after C-section? Our childbirth education course helps you explore your options, understand what limitations may exist for a VBAC, and better understand why you may have had a C-section to prepare for a future birth. Some C-sections may be the result of a labor stall, and in our childbirth education course, we break down some solutions for labor stalls beyond Pitocin, but also help explain when Pitocin may be a good option. If you want to physically prepare for birth, our prenatal fitness programs incorporate pelvic opening exercises to help open each pelvic level to minimize a passage-related labor stall because there are certain postural habits that may limit space in the lower pelvis or even make it harder for baby to enter into the pelvis. So our prenatal fitness programs incorporate exercises to help create more space in your pelvis. Explore our Prepare for Birth bundles to save 15% at mamastayfit.com prenatal and save an additional 10% off with code STORY10. Welcome to the Mama Sifit Podcast. Today is Birth Story Friday, and we have Sally here who's going to be sharing her two birth stories. Her first was a surprise breach, and then her second birth was a VBAC. So thanks for being here, Sally. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us about your first pregnancy and your preparation for birth. How was your first pregnancy? My first pregnancy was pretty chill. I didn't have any morning sickness. If I didn't get a positive test, I don't think I would have known. I was pregnant apart from missed period. It was just really a very easy pregnancy. Did you do anything in particular during your pregnancy to prepare for birth, like taking any classes or what type of birth were you hoping for? I was hoping for a very natural, unmedicated birth. I was worried the whole time that my baby would be breached. And so I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of research. I really wanted it to be natural as possible. So tell us about your labor. How how did your birth go? Yeah, so originally I was going to just wait the baby out, not be induced or anything like that. But my husband's schedule, it was just going to, to ensure that he was there, I decided to be induced. The induction got delayed, I guess. The hospital was full. And so it ended up being on my due date. And I went in and they checked me and I was four centimeters And so they just went ahead and broke my water, which at the time, like, I don't think I did as much research with the first one as I did with the second one. And I definitely wouldn't have chosen to be induced with the first one if I had done as much. But anyways, they broke my water and contractions like pretty, 
immediately started. They even said that I was already having a few before that, but I wasn't really feeling them. I just thought it was her like pushing up against my belly. But now I know that that's like early or like Braxton Hicks. So yeah, I just labored for like four hours. I walked around. I got in the tub. I was on the ball. And then I guess at the shift change for the doctors, the new doctor came in and all she did was put her hand on my belly and she was like, I need an ultrasound in here. And I just immediately knew that she was breached. So they confirmed with the ultrasound and she was. So So what happened when they found out baby was breached? It was so hectic and scary. I think I immediately just started sobbing. They didn't really give us a lot of time to like process. I think I was still only four or five centimeters. So it's not like the baby was like trying to come out, but it just felt very rushed. Like we need to get this baby out right now, C-section immediately. It wasn't an emergency, but it just felt very rushed. And we did have time to like text my family and just like let them know what was going on. But they they came in with the razor <laughs> to, to get it ready. And I think we signed papers. I'm not even sure. And they kind of like talked us through what was going to happen. And then they wheeled me away. It was very fast. I think it was like 30 minutes from the time that they told us to the time that the baby was born. So how did you feel after your birth? What were some things that you felt were like really positive for you and some things that you felt like you wish were different? I think um, the only positive thing out of that birth was my daughter. Looking back, I was just so glad. I'm so glad that she was healthy and safe, but like that did not go how I wanted it to. And I was devastated for a very long time. It took me a while to, I guess, like mourn that and heal from it. But I'm so thankful that I have my daughter. So, I mean, there were definitely things that I would change, but I, but that's how it was supposed to be. So. Was there anything particularly that you did between your two pregnancies to help you heal or was it just kind of like a lingering like mourning that was happening? I listened to a lot of podcasts actually. Just like hearing other people's stories and doing more research kind of helped me get pumped up for the next one and how different I wanted it to be and I think that really helped me move past cuz I knew like this is not going to end this way. Like that birth was that way, but there's more opportunities to have like a natural birth the way that you wanted it to be. So let's go into your second pregnancy. How did the second pregnancy go? How did you prepare for birth? Yeah. So second pregnancy was very similar to my first, like no morning sickness, just very easy. I had planned to have like a fit pregnancy, (laughs) but I have like a lot of GI issues that I won't get into. And that pretty much prevented me from getting out of the house or up from the couch for the first half of pregnancy. I was not as fit as I had hoped to be, but I definitely like got out there at the end to just like trying to catch up. So I did way more research. So like mentally, I I read a lot of books. I did a lot of squats at the end. I prayed a lot about how I wanted it to go and just was like asking God for it to go that way. Mostly just a lot of reading. And then you hired a doula. Yes. Well, that was like at last minute. I think we first emailed you at, I was already in the 30s. I don't even remember how far along, but we did not like make it official until I was 36 weeks. Like that was, it just felt very last minute, but I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> it was definitely very last minute, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine. It worked out. I actually had a vacation planned 
Um, I was supposed to go to Hawaii to visit my brother and then he uninvited me. <laughs> so I was available for Sally's party. Yeah, so thankful that your brother <laughs> uninvited you. <laughs> yeah, it did work out that you just were there. It was perfect. So how is the end of your pregnancy? So for a lot of my clients, the providers get kind of weird sometimes when it comes to VBAC. How was your prenatal care? So I had the same doctors for both pregnancies. And looking back, I think it would I think it would have changed practices after a surprise breach, but I didn't. So originally, you know, right away, they were totally seemed like they were totally fine with a VBAC. I told them immediately, like, yeah, I want to have a VBAC. And since she was breached, there wasn't like any like reason for them to say no. They seemed totally supportive. And then like at the end of pregnancy, I think I was probably like 36 or 37 weeks. That's when like at every appointment, they started like not scaring me. I don't think they were trying to scare me, but they would just like very loudly actually like give me all the scary things about a VBAC. And they weren't like giving me any of the scary things about a repeat cesarean. And it just felt very biased and then at my 39-week appointment, and I think I texted you after this. Oh, no, I was like 39 and 6. I went in, and the doctor that I saw, she was like, yeah, I'm just, um, I'm really not comfortable with you going past 40 weeks. And I was like, well, that is tomorrow. So, like, what do you want me to do? And she was like, well, I want to check you, and I want to, like, know if you're a good candidate for induction. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested, interested in being induced. And she was like, well, I just need to check you so that we know if you're favorable or not. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not even 40 weeks yet. Like, I really don't want to be checked. I would like this baby to come on her own, like in a reasonable amount of time. And so she was pretty upset about it, but I mean, she can't make me, so. She's not going to tie you down. No, I mean, she she probably wanted to, but (laughs) she can't. (laughs) So I left, but I was so upset because I just, like, I wanted a provider that was supportive and like wanted it for me too, not just like, tolerable or like tolerating it. Like she was going to tolerate it. She had to, but she was not supporting it. And I texted Gina and I was like, are there any midwives in the area? (laughs) And you were like, I think it's a little too late for that. (laughs) I was just freaking out, but I calmed down and I don't even think you know this part because I just planned on telling you when I was in labor, but obviously there was no time or like I was not in the mood to tell stories. But I texted a friend who works at the practice. She like works under one of the doctors. And I told her, I was like, yeah, this certain doctor like made me cry today. And she was like, what? And I like went into it. And then the doctor that she worked for called me. She asked if she could like share with him. And he was like, apologized on behalf of this doctor, like one of his partners and kind of was like, that's not how all of us feel. I think that's one of the hard things about having multiple doctors who have different opinions in a practice. But he was like, I would really like you to come back in tomorrow just so we can talk and I can go over things with you because I have no problem with you going over 40 weeks. And he was like, I would love to check you tomorrow, but we can talk about it when when you get here. And so I ended up going in on my due date. I just felt like more peace about him as a person than I did about like I could tell right away the other doctor was like fighting me. And this one was just, he wanted me to understand. And he was just more, he seemed more supportive. And so I ended up letting him check me. And he, while he was in there, he was like, do you want me to strip your membranes? And I was like, sure. So I was two 
And I think he said I was 90% effaced. And so I let him strip my membranes, which was, it's as bad as they say, like, or it was for me, like it was very painful. And then I had to lay there for like 20 minutes because I was like about to pass out. It just was like, it just like hurt. And then my body just felt different. And from that point on, like that whole day, my body just felt different. And I knew I was like, it's tonight. Like, I just knew from that point on, like, there's no way that this is so different and like, it's not going to happen. So it is hard going to a practice where doctors have different opinions, but the practice has a standard and they just kind of, they don't want to step on any each other's toes, but they also want what's best. I'm glad I went in for the other doctor. Just seeing him like gave me more peace because it seemed like he was a little bit more supportive than the other doctor. I think having a supportive provider makes a big difference yes. for VBAC, especially, or just in general. So you're starting to have contractions. Yeah. You didn't tell me you got a membrane sweep. It's okay. <laughs> Let's get into your birth. Yeah. So went to bed. I even like laid out my daughter's clothes for the next morning because I was like, oh, our friends are going to need to like know where her underwear is. Because like I knew I was going. Like I just knew. Anyway, so but I went to bed and I was having... I don't think I was having any contractions, maybe a few, but they weren't painful. So we went to bed and then at like 1 a.m. I woke up and they were immediately painful. Like I had a lot of Braxton Hicks at at the end and this just felt so different. I was like, this is it. So, but I let my husband sleep for a little bit. I got out of bed. I turned on a movie. It was this really stupid movie and I couldn't even watch it. And things just got really intense, really fast. But my husband was still in bed. Like I had to go in there and be like, um, hi, I am in a lot of pain and I need you. And he was just like, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't know. And I'm like, get up. <laughs> get that. And so he, he got up and he was helping me. And I think I, I called Gina and I think because I called you, you were like, you're not ready for me yet. So we waited maybe another hour and then Pear, my husband, called, and you were like, okay, I'm coming. I think on while you were on your way, I was like, hands down on the bed. He was like massaging my back. I had really bad back labor. And I just remember being like, I want the epidural. And he was like, no, you don't. And then that was it. Like there was, that was the end of it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't want it. <laughs> but I'm glad that you came when you did because it was getting so intense. And I was kind of freaking out. Like, my labor was so fast, but I didn't know that it was happening fast, like while I was in it, because I didn't know the end. And so in my head, I was like, oh my goodness, I do not know what I got myself into because I was thinking like, this is just the beginning, but really it was like the end. The end. <laughs> so I was like totally regretting my decision to like labor at home for as long as possible and like not get any medication, but I'm glad that I did. When you're in it, you just regret everything. <laughs> but so, yeah, then Gina got there and I was kind of out of, out of it at this point. Like I was on the bed. I remember just kind of like waving at you a little and you put the TENS unit on, which was amazing. But yeah, and I mean, you weren't really at the house with us for very long, but I got on the toilet to pee and felt like our urge to push and you're like, well, could just because you're on the toilet. You were so chill. I was like, I have the urge to put in my head. I'm like, I have the urge to push. Like, and she's just like, well, just see if it goes away. <laughs> like, but so it went away, but then it came back and I don't know really how long. I mean, it was for a few contractions before we like decided 
to go. And I don't remember who said, like, I think it's time to go. Do it was you- definitely me. It was you. Were you freaking out? I was not freaking out. You were starting to bear down a little bit more. I was like, we should probably go. We should probably go. Yes. At this point, I didn't realize that there wasn't somebody at the house for your daughter. Oh, no. And so, Pear was trying to get in touch with oh. your childcare, and no one was answering the phone. This is probably the most stressful part. And you were just, like, pushing, like, in your chair, and I'm like, they have a really nice rug. This rug is going to get gross. Every time, every time I look at that chair now, I'm like, I just like picture myself sitting there, like trying not to push, like my body just like. So he's like running out the door and banging on somebody's window. Yes. Oh man. Like literally we had to drive down the street to our friend's house. They felt so bad and was like banging on the door. And finally they woke up he was like, come to our house. Like we need to go to the hospital. And I don't really know how long that lasted. Probably it felt longer than. I was freaking out. It was probably like 10 minutes. We'll either have a home birth or we'll... Pear was there or not, but I I like looked at you and I was like, Gina, I don't want to have a baby in the car. And you were like, you're not going to have a baby in the car. You're either going to have a baby here or you're going to have her at the hospital. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't think that helps. Because you said you could have a baby here. And like, that doesn't help. But I don't. I don't. I mean, I do, but not under these circumstances. Yeah. So... We went to the hospital. We lived so close to it. It was like, I think I had two contractions in the car and then one in the parking lot before I got out of the car. And then we walk in and this is when I just like kind of lost it and also remember it because I was so mad because we walk in and Gina's like, she's like bearing down, like she has the urge to push and they're not doing anything. I was just like, I remember just leaning up against the wall, like at the entrance and just being like, why aren't they doing anything? Like I just came in in labor and I'm like, she's saying I have to push and they're, they're not moving. But finally we got up to the triage and she like made me get on the scale and everything. And I was like, the baby is going to come out of me. Like, yeah, I was so frustrated at that point, but I was also probably like in transition. So it was just a whole mess of things anyway. So they finally got us into triage and the doctor came in and checked me. And I was like, seven I think and so they got me into a room meanwhile they're like trying to stab me with things and I remember just like looking up at pair just being so mad because they had tried twice and failed and I didn't even want like needles in me and so yeah it was just I just remember being mad (laughs) but I was also like in a lot of pain so it's fine yeah so we got to a room and I was still having the urge to push and Gina was like I think you should get checked again and so the nurse checked me and this time it was like, it felt better. Like I don't, she was just gentler. I don't know. It was way better. And I think I was like nine and a half and I don't really know what it means when they like finish it. Oh, like so you had an anterior lip and so she just kind of like pushed it. So the front of the cervix was still kind of there, which is a normal part okay. of dilation. And so she just pushed the cervix over baby's head and then it was like... And then it was time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I started pushing, which was the worst part. Yeah. You didn't push her very long. No. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was glad about that, but it was hard. And I never... I did not plan to push on my back, but I pushed on my side for a while and then I ended up put, like pushing her out on my back and I didn't plan for that. I didn't want to push on my back actually, but it felt the best. And so that's what I did. But yeah, I pushed and pushed and then I feel like I was in the ring of fire for so long like her head feels like (laughs) her head was just like there 
for so long. And then everything kind of like shifted in the room and he was like, okay, heart rate, it was, she, heart rate's dropping. I think he said it was 70. Did he say it was, I don't remember. It was low. I can't remember. It was so low. He was like, so we need to use the vacuum. And I looked at you like panicking. And so I asked for one more push and before the vacuum. And I did, I just remember thinking in my head, like, there is no way you're using the vacuum on my baby. (laughs) And she came out. (laughs) I was just so, so glad that I did it. Like, without the vacuum. I did not want the vacuum. So, yeah. And then because they opened the vacuum, now we have a training prop. <laughs> I was like, well, if you're going to throw it away, can I just take it? And the nurse was like, sure. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, so how was your reflection on this birth compared to your first? What were some like really positive things that you pulled from it? Was there anything that you would change about this birth? Yeah. So this birth, I feel like is kind of rare. Like, it kind of went exactly how I wanted it to, which I don't think you hear very often. I don't, at least. All the birth stories are like, just, you know, make a plan, but you never know. Well, like, this is how I wanted it to go. It was, like, perfect. I wanted to labor at home for as long as possible and get to the hospital and basically push the baby out. So I don't really have any regrets. I regret that I had a third-degree tear. <laughs> I was, like, forcing her out as fast as I could. And so I, I'm assuming that's why I tore so bad, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, compared to the last birth, like this was just exactly how I wanted it to be. And even recovery was just so much better, even with a third degree tear. Like I remember being in the hospital and not even being able to like slide up and down in the hospital bed because like I was afraid that it was going to like rip open, even though it wouldn't. And looking at my husband being like, this is still better than recovering from a C-section or at least recovering from my C-section. So I compared like their total opposites, but healthy little girls in both. So, Yeah. It's hard to have regrets with that. Yes, it is. So do you have any advice for anyone that might be in similar situations as you, like finding out that their baby is suddenly breached or if someone's like concerned that their baby is breached and then for somebody that's planning a VBAC? Yeah, if you find out your baby is breached, if it's in the moment like it was for me, you probably won't have a lot of time to process until afterwards. But if it's at the end of pregnancy and you find out like, However your baby is born is how they're meant to be born. And like, you can look back and be sad or have regrets, but like ultimately like that's how it was supposed to happen. And I don't think there's anything that we can do to like change how it's supposed to happen. So just, it's not your fault. (laughs) And yeah, but for a VBAC, I would say the number one thing, and I think you already said it, is find an actually supportive provider. Like my provider ended up being a tolerant provider. I think that they're like, we'll allow it up into a certain point or like, we're not going to let you go past a certain day or, you know, they have all these stipulations for it because I don't really think that they want it, but they just like have to, I'm not sure. But like find someone who actually supports it and is like, supporting you and cheering for you and like wants you to have the VBAC as bad as you want the VBAC because otherwise you're going to be at the end and be freaking out because <laughs> they they say they're they're supportive and then sometimes probably not all of them sometimes they're not as supportive as you thought yeah and ask a lot of questions about their VBAC policies or like the hospital policies at the beginning 
because I didn't ask at the end and then I was like oh I have to have continuous fetal monitoring like the whole I had no idea like I wanted to labor in a t- in the water if I wanted to so I think it's just important to find a supportive doctor and ask a lot of questions well thank you so much for sharing both your birth stories I was really glad to be there for the mm-hmm. second one and that it was exactly how you told me you wanted it to go it was always really exciting I'm glad you didn't have your baby at home accidentally <laughs> you too. I don't particularly love catching babies because <laughs> that's not what I'm trained in <laughs> But I would have done it for you. (laughs) So thank you so much for sharing your story on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. In Sally's birth story, she talked about how she had cesarean birth and then how she had a third degree vaginal tear. And with both of those types of tears and surgical incisions, we do want to mobilize our scar to help support our healing and to optimize our function. And so what happens after we have any sort of trauma to the tissue, especially a laceration or a cut, is the tissue begins to heal and it's usually pretty disorganized and very like haphazard like. And so when we do mobilization, it allows the tissues to reorganize themselves so there's more structure to it. And then it allows the tissue layers to glide more smoothly over itself. So with a cesarean birth, there's seven layers that are cut through. The seventh layer is the amniotic fluid sac. So that's not going to be there anymore. But we have six other layers that have been cut through that now are starting to stick to one another if we do no mobilization. And so if you don't do any scar mobilization after a cesarean birth, you may feel like there's like a pulling or a tugging sensation in your lower abdomen that could even spread to like your lower back or even into like your hips. And so when we mobilize our C-section scars, it allows the different tissue layers to glide over one another. And so you won't have that same like tugging or pulling sensation. And so after you've had a cesarean birth, usually the first three weeks postpartum, we can do like scar desensitization. So just touching around the scar with different types of fabric, and that's going to help kind of reset the sensation and the stimulus. The next three weeks, so like weeks three through six, we can do desensitization, usually on the scar as it's healed. And then eventually we can progress towards mobilization. We're actually touching around and on the scar and moving those tissue layers around. And it's a slow process. There might be like a very big emotional aspect to this as well, but touching your scar and moving those layers is really important. And so if you do have a hard time touching your scar for emotional reasons, like there's just a lot surrounding your birth story, working with like a professional, like a pelvic physical therapist, or even some massage therapist to mobilize that scar for you can be super helpful. And we do have a C-section scar mobilization course that is taught by Casey Backus, who is a two-time C-section mom and physical therapist to give you the tools to begin to mobilize your scar to help optimize your healing. Cause it is really important that we mobilize those tissues. And the same thing also applies for a vaginal tear, even if it's like a first degree tear, but especially if we have like a third or fourth degree tear. The pelvic floor has a lot of different layers within it as well. There's three layers to your pelvic floor. We have a superficial layer, we have just a middle layer, and then we have that deep pelvic floor layer. And so sometimes we have a perineal tear or tears in other places when you give birth, we still want to mobilize those tissues as well. But instead of it being like pushing onto your abdomen and doing circles and pinching, it's usually just two fingers and you pinch and you kind of like rub them together from the inside and the outside. And again, this is something that like a pelvic floor physical therapist can walk you through as well. If you're like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And then working with a pelvic floor physical therapist after both the cesarean and a vaginal birth can be really helpful. 
The pelvophore went through a lot during pregnancy. So regardless of how your baby was delivered, it's important that we seek out some support after birth. So even after cesarean birth, we still want to be working with professionals to help to optimize our healing because although baby didn't come out of your vagina and out through the pelvic floor, your C-section scar is still very close and it still affects how your pelvic floor is going to function. And so if you don't mobilize it, it can still affect how your pelvic floor works. And then especially after you had a vaginal birth, the pelvic floor went through planned trauma. It went through a lot. It stretched a ton to help your baby come out. And then especially if you've had any sort of vaginal tear, working with a pelvic physical therapist to help mobilize those tissues again, because the pelvic plays such a huge role in just our daily function. It helps us stabilize. It helps support our pelvic organs. It helps with sphincter control. So if you've had a vaginal tear and you're still having a lot of issues, it might be like the middle layer of your pelvic floor that's being affected. It helps with sump pump or lymphatic drainage, and then also plays a big role in our sexual function. So not just with childbirth, it also helps with sexual intercourse and for orgasms as well. Like we want to be able to experience pleasure in our life and the pelvic floor is going to help you do that. So it plays a huge role. Scar mobilization, very beneficial after you give birth. Sometimes if we do not mobilize our vaginal lacerations in subsequent births, you can still tear, not necessarily because you were going to tear, but because that scar tissue is just not as strong and you just tear along that scar tissue. So that is another big benefit of doing scar mobilization in the postpartum is that it can help in subsequent births to decrease the risk of tearing. So thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education course. If you need more support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses, which includes the scar mobilization course. If you're a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness trainer courses as well. So you can learn from us and earn continuing education credits. Explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com and you can use code STORY10 to save 10% off all of our programs as our gift to you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow our podcast and you will be notified when we release new episodes. You can leave a review, share with your friends, families, everyone you know. We release new episodes every Wednesday and then new birth stories every Friday. The Mama Safe Podcast Birth Story Friday episodes are sponsored by Balbay, a perinatal clothing company that supports your pregnancy, birth, and beyond with their expertly curated support wear garments. Use code MAMASTAYFIT for 15% off your order.